0: There you go. It's fun. Hi. Um, And then that's when I heard the Lord say to me, it doesn't matter, like, where you are in life. Like, when you're speaking my heart and when you're speaking my word, it's timeless. And it doesn't matter about age or differences. Like, what I have to say will break through walls and misunderstandings. And so here I am. I also had dreams about this moment last night. I I did this already. (laughs) Not well, but I did it. So um, if you guys want to open up to where we are in our study, we started in Luke 9 this week. And just want to add this to it. this is not my natural element as it might not be for a lot of you like to be in front of someone holding a microphone i actually have dreams of hearing my own voice and feeling like constrained because i'm like oh my gosh what is happening so when the lord started stirring in my heart to offer more i started to offer more and This is kind of the result of that, so thank you for being a part of my journey and bearing with my process and what the Lord is having me do in this season of my life. So, there. I actually read this last week by mistake, and when I first read it, I kind of felt very unattached. These were things I had all heard before, and I was a little bored, like to be honest. And so when I realized that's what I would be speaking on, I was like, okay, I have to read this again. And so in a more intensive environment, I started asking the Lord to just reveal things about these passages that I hadn't seen before. So, um, So in Luke 9, we open up and we begin our reading and we get to immediately see that the lord gives his disciples the power to heal and cast out demons these are like always my favorite moments because i get really fired up i love knowing that that's instilled to us and it started with the disciples Um, and it is like, I wouldn't say it's a lost art, but it is something that does apply today. So to, to look back in the beginning and see that it was so much of Jesus' heart to heal that he had to have people around him to do the same thing. Um, and then we quickly move on to um, Jesus giving specifics about what it takes to follow him. And he just, and you'll see this throughout what we read, that he continuously refers to just leaving it all behind. And that is something I feel like is so hard to actually grasp for our lives. We like stability. We like good health benefits. We like knowing our kids are safe, um, that we have a home. And so those are all things that I'm like, that's wild. He's like, don't even take a pair of shoes. And so that always challenges me. Um, Brett and I last week were like, we haven't really taken any risks lately. What are we, what's our next risk? So that's always something that I feel like I respond to because in our culture, it's so easy to just sit and do the routine and move forward. So how am I doing? Okay, because I'm like. <laughs> Thanks. Um, okay, I wanted to make sure that I actually read parts of what we read too, versus just like give my reflections. <laughs> um, so I covered that. So then we also get to see Herod's confusion. And one thing that I love is the mystery surrounding the beginning of Jesus' mission. And when I asked the Lord, because when I first read this stuff, I was like, okay, I don't see cohesion, and that bothers me. I love cohesion. I love an overall message and a theme, and it makes sense to me. So when I struggled to see the theme, I was like, Lord, like, what, are, what ties all of this together? And it's simply that like this is the beginning of Jesus' ministry, and so there's a lot of defining that happens here. And I'm going to talk a little bit more about that. But... Um, one of the things that was just noticeable to me was like Herod's confusion and the mystery surrounding who Jesus was. Because we come, like our understanding of Jesus now is he's a very known man. Like we know Jesus and we've read the passages, but this is when Jesus' ministry was just beginning and no one knew anything about him. And so I do love that there was so much like confusion going on, like, who is this guy? Like, is he a dead guy? Is he, you know, was he the beheaded John the Baptist? So, um, yes. (laughs) And then we move on to the feeding of the 5,000. And this is a story I've heard so many times. And I was like, why? Why is this significant aside from the miracle itself? And so I started just asking, like, what that meant more to me. And um, I'm like, Jesus didn't send them away to, like, feed themselves. It was so important to him to provide for his kids. And so then I started thinking about, like, the father's heart for hospitality and just basic care, like, he didn't have to feed them, but he did, because he loved them. So, yeah. And then I'm done. No, just kidding. <laughs> I, like, talk this through to my husband on the way here, and I'm like, yeah, is that good? Is that okay? Like, I don't just want it to be this thing, and I also don't want to get lost in my notes, because I have 16 more minutes. <laughs> okay, I'm going to scale back. So, I found it. <laughs> so we see Peter have this moment with Jesus. And he has that moment and I lost my place okay it's Peter and John when he takes them up and so we see these really like sacred moments happening with the transfiguration and then um just so really significant. <laughs> <laughs> this is who I am in like lower level. So I'm like, this is how I want to be talking to you. Like I know you all in my small group. <sighs> huh? Oh no. I just, my thing won't stay open. Part of me just feels like I should close this for a little bit because one of thing that I pulled away from this was that Jesus kept asking, who do, you, who do you think I am? And when I was struggling to find my theme or struggling to find my connection, I was like, well, who do I think Jesus is? And it's so easy to say, oh, he's, he's a good Jesus or he's a loving Jesus or he's a providing Jesus. So then I was like, okay, well, what, what is Jesus who I haven't recognized him to be in a while. There were parts of this story that kind of made me think Jesus was rude. Um, like when he's like if they don't acknowledge you like just brush off your shoes and then they'll fall to their fate essentially and I'm like gosh that's like I don't know that side of Jesus because I tend to gravitate towards like daddy god bringing me in his arms, you know, affirming me. So then I started realizing what I felt was his hurt and his anger for the losses. And so then it's like okay. So he's he's an angry Jesus. <laughs> he's a passionate Jesus. So one thing that I definitely wanted to highlight today was your perception of Jesus. Like this was the very beginning of his ministry when people didn't know who he was. And so he was very specific in the choosing of his disciples and continually asking them, well, who do you see I am? It's like the son of man, like the Messiah. That message begin there. And from there, you see the 12 established. And then further in the passages, um, I think he designates 72. Yeah, and he's like, the theme didn't change. His brand didn't change. Um, Jesus is not a brand, I just like to say that. (laughs) Um, But he was so, it was so important to go, don't get me confused. Like what I, who I am, translates consistently. And so um, one of my heart's desires and my own challenge was wanting to challenge you guys, either like in your small groups, if you choose to, or even through your day to day to find three attributes of who Jesus is. But I don't want them to be comfortable, <laughs> you know, like like go into your the depths of your understanding of who God is and pick the hard stuff because or the stuff you might not want to recognize who he is because it is so easy to speak a very christianese language and just put labels on him that are really fluffy and nice and he is those things but um sometimes you know jesus is a disciplinary jesus i get that jesus a lot (laughs) i'm really stubborn and he he will warn me so clearly and I'm like, nah, it's okay. Like I'm gonna, I'm gonna go forward. I, I, I learn hard lessons and then I fall apart because I didn't listen to the tender Jesus. And then I have to like further travel through that. So um, that was just something where I was like, man, I wouldn't expect to see that through these passages. Like I just kept writing it down Like, who do you say I am? And then my heart just started shifting a bit. Um, And so that's one of the challenges that I wanted to deliver to you today. Um, Because he is such, he's a funny Jesus too. Um, So to just finding things about his character that maybe are harder for you to see, And I wouldn't expect to get this out of passages I've grown up knowing all my life. Um, One thing that Brett and I did discover, I don't always do my Bible studies with Brett, by the way. I was just talking to him. And he's like, wait, the feeding of the 5,000, didn't that happen in Mark? And I was like, I don't know, because I'm reading Luke. (laughs) So in Luke, it says, and we found out that there was two different feedings. And maybe some of you know that. I see head nods, that's really great. <laughs> but I had it, and so that was just something that we like recognized as really cool. I'm like, I have been a Christian all my life, and there was two feedings. I thought this was a typo. Um, so, <laughs> moving on to 10. Um, chapter 10, I moved really quickly, I'm sorry. I love the mission of Jesus because as much as it was large-scale, you see his work really small-scale. It usually only has to do with one person or two people. The moments he seeks with Peter or um, Peter and James up at the transfiguration, So you see the beginning of his ministry like so ground level with people. And I just love that because this is just the setup. This is how his entire work begins is with one person, the healing of the boy. Um, I'm jumping back, sorry. This isn't how my mind works. High speed merry-go-round. And I just loved knowing that it was all about us and us as individuals from the beginning. I'm trying to find my underline. Mm And so, again, in the beginning of chapter 10, he gets really specific, like around verse 3 and 4, about how to carry on their mission as disciples. And I thought this was, like, super interesting, just because I did. I'm like, wait, you're not supposed to essentially receive help. But that's not what he's saying. He's actually, I feel like it's more of a commission of discernment, like be discerning in the households you are in and like receive that. And then I also loved seeing how he's um, said to claim God's peace over their house. Now, there was early on in our marriage, we lived in an apartment in Lincoln. There was some weird, not weird stuff going down, but there had been some instances where we're like, gosh, like what is happening here? We feel like a spiritual something. And it wasn't until we actually spoke like the name of God over our home, because you don't ever know who lives in the apartments before you. (laughs) And when we claimed Jesus over our household and for the future, it shifted what happened within. And then it actually changed physically the health that I was going through. And so I just thought that was super interesting to see um, him relay that message, like, speak God's peace over this house. And that's not just, like, a thing of protection, but it's also a gift to the host. Um, so, because I'm reading this, and I'm like, gosh, he put so many rules. All these people are doing, like, his work for him. He's commissioning these disciples, and then he's like, but don't take your shoes, and don't take a bag. And don't, don't receive the money and stay in one place. And um, that was just a little like, like I asked myself why. Um, and I don't necessarily have an answer for that, but I'm like, there was intentionality in how he wanted his ministry run. And that's initially what I see and believe that to be.) <clears throat> I think my adrenaline ran out. Because all of a sudden, I'm like, wait, I'm doing this? This is, <laughs> this is not a dream. Exactly. I'm like, okay <laughs> I'm like, some dialogue would be nice. No, just kidding. <laughs> Five minutes. It's a goal. It's a goal. I just want to. <laughs> Just want to do well. You Huh? Oh, no, it's, it's all good. We are coming towards the end of our reading, though, which is good. a We're I I'm just like, am I just talking? I'm putting biblical behind this, right? No, I'm just kidding. Okay, so, then we go in <laughs> to rereading about the Good Samaritan, because that's not something that isn't known to us, you know. And I first of all love how Jesus takes challenge on, because he gets a little ornery, but he does it with so much grace, and I think that is key to, like, so many things. But, um you see this man try to challenge him. And he's like, okay, so like, you know, how do I inherit eternal life? And Jesus says, oh, sorry, by the way, I'm in 1026. For those following along. (laughs) So Jesus replies, what does the law of Moses say? How do you read it? And the man answered, You must love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, all your strength, and all your mind, and love your neighbor as yourself. And Jesus is right. Do this and you will live. And the man just didn't want to leave it at that. You know, he's a little jabby, so he's like, Well, who's my neighbor then? And then that's where we see the Samaritan happen. And that is actually like what I wanna end on, even though Jesus visits Mary and Martha, but the call for our person-to-person mission is also established here, even more defined,
1: because
0: he's like, it starts with your neighbor. It starts with the eggs that you'll share or sugar, whatever they need. Like that is his heart. To literally be like person in front of you and then go beyond that. So I may not have had a very clear overall theme. But what I love is that Jesus knew his mission. It was defined to him by his father. And it began with us. And it began with the 12. And then that 12 then designated another 72 And all of their hearts were in line with the mission of who God is. And that's people and saving them. And so when, I mean, this parable of the Samaritan is a little culturally offensive. And that's where also Jesus begins to go. It doesn't like matter what is expected or designated. But like this is the heart of the Father. And the heart of the Father is is through me, and this is how you begin to achieve that. And so, um, go love your neighbor today. Nice. <laughs> but what if the neighbor is actually like you? Like in a in a way, if you're not being a good neighbor to yourself, how can you actually be a good neighbor? And so, um, gosh, I'm all over the place. But the message of his love is for you. And if Jesus were in this room, you would all feel like he was talking to you. Not to like all of us here. Because he would be speaking to you on a level that only connects with the individual that you are. And so we see a lot of messages, hopefully, (laughs) through this reading last week. We get to be challenged by asking ourselves, well, who am I? And that's constantly changing for me. Like your reflection of Jesus is a reflection of your season sometimes. If you're in a hard season, you're like, well, you know, he's maybe an obscure God. I don't really see him right now. (laughs) Or if you're in a plentiful season, you're like, he's a giving God. He just gives. Um, So my challenge is for you to like, Find a new definition in addition to your definitions of who God is. And then let that impact your relationship with your neighbor. Let the qualities of the Father like sink so deeply into your core that when people experience it, you, they can't look away because what you're exuding is an image of God. Because you're asking, well, who are you? And so, in my vast this of a, me- of a reflection, um, I'm going to end in prayer. It's my go to when I'm nervous because I'm like, well, you can't go wrong. So, Jesus, I just want to thank you. I want to thank you for making old passages new. And relaying new messages to me <laughs> who wrote off this maybe at the beginning. But I just celebrate the never-ending quality of who you are. And I just cling to the goodness of who you are. And then I just pray that as these ladies go on today to maybe discuss like who you are, that they... Find something new about you that connects them even more to who you are. Thank you for being a personable God, a God who started on ground level with people. And thank you for, like, continuing your message now just like you did then. And so I hope and pray that as we carry throughout our day that we can carry your name well and your image well. So we can not just love our neighbor, but love them abundantly and wildly. So much so that they don't know what to do with it. So Lord, thank you for Luke and these passages that we read today. And thank you for a timeless word of God. And we love you. Amen. That's good.